Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. We are studying where Jesus has meals with people he uh, calls disciples and people he wants to have disciples in the Gospel of Luke. One author said, in Luke, we can find Jesus either going to a meal, coming from a meal, or at a meal. And today's passage in Luke chapter 10 is not any different. Today, Jesus is going to have a meal. We're going to read uh, with Martha and her sister Mary. We've heard about Martha and Mary maybe in another Gospel uh, in the Gospel of John, it, it tells that Martha and Mary had a brother named Lazarus that Jesus actually r- raised from the dead. And so this is in, uh, the setting is in Bethany, and it's a, a small uh, village in that whole big area of Israel, and uh, that's where our picture is going to take place. And during this narrative about Jesus, we're going to find that uh, Martha has gotten so busy trying to be a good host that she forgot what was most important about um, her guest. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think people have changed that much in 2,000 years, or maybe it's just my home. If we have a guest, or say our mother-in-law, come in, uh, my wife wants to make sure that everything is spotless and the food is prepared correctly. Does anybody else have that going on in your home when you have guests? Just, oh, a, a couple of honest people here. Um, and then the, the, one of the highest stress points in um, our life is when um, Carrie wants the food to be perfect. She's like the consummate host. And so if something goes wrong with the food, then she thinks like everything, the whole day is ruined. She's really, really into making sure the food, she even wants it to look right. Like she won't let me platter the turkey. She wants to, pla- you know, she wants it to even look right. You're nodding your head. You know how that, well, that's how Martha was dealing with the meal that she was preparing. I want to, I want to, re- this, this shows that in 20 centuries, people haven't really changed all that much. It's in Luke chapter 10. And here is this, this description of this event. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Well, that's a pretty powerful story. Just in that little, small couple of sentences, a friend of mine goes to this church. He does not like this story in the Scripture because he was taught it growing up that what is going on here and what Jesus is teaching is that he doesn't want us to work. He wants us to just sit and listen. And I don't think that's what Jesus is teaching here. Um, I, I do want to look at some of the things. I think as we're looking at this passage of Scripture, what we need to think about is how do we need to reprioritize our time and effort so that we can hear correction from Jesus and so that we can hear truth from Jesus. This is really important to hear correction from Jesus and hear truth from Jesus. And I think that's what's going on in this home. Martha, Jesus does rebuke her. He does reprimand her, but he's not rebuking her. He's not correcting her because she's putting forth effort. Being a good host 
was a really big deal in Jesus' day. I think it's a big deal now. Being a good host is, is a huge deal. I was reading some uh, excerpts from other works that were around that era, and anytime somebody came into your home, the host, the homeowner, would pull out all the stops. And even if you weren't very wealthy, you brought out everything that you had that was good and worthy, and you gave it to your host so that they would have it, so that they would feel welcomed. I think that kind of still goes on today. I've heard about missionaries who go into third world countries and they're visiting and helping the poor and they're there to help. And all the poor people, they gather the food that they've been saving, the best of the best of the best, what they would really give to a king. And they give it to these visiting missionaries because being a host is so important. Jesus isn't saying, don't be a good host. He's not saying, don't work. He's not saying don't put forth effort. He's not saying don't make your guests feel welcome. But I want you to notice what he is saying. And then after we hear this correction for Martha, I want us to examine our own lives. Here Jesus is telling Martha and reprimanding, rebuking her, not because she's working, but because her priorities had gotten twisted. She had made the preparations more important than the person. She had made the preparations, it had become so overwhelming to her, so hurried to her, that she was distracted, worried, and anxious. I think that her priorities got mixed up, and she cared so much about the preparation of food, she forgot the person who was with her, Jesus, was with her. I think, as we look at this and how her priorities got mixed up, I think we need to hear the correction Jesus is trying to tell us. We can get so busy in life, so busy with all the things that accompany life, that we start putting everything that is important and everything that is good ahead of what is best, who is Jesus Christ. There's a study that was done uh, by, let me see if I can remember his name. I, wrote, I did write it down. The name's not really important, but I want you to know it. We'll come back to the name. He did this study of over 20,000 Christians, and he was trying to see what was happening that would keep them from growing in the Lord. And what he determined was there was this spiral of uh, going, growing away from the Lord that happens. And it starts, he said, with this. Our culture tells us to be really busy and really hurried wherever we go. And we have a tendency to kind of succumb to that culture. And then the second thing that happens when we start listening to what the culture says, be really hurried, be really productive, be uh, overwhelmed, the tendency is we push God aside, we push Jesus aside so we can work on getting things done. And when we push God aside, it begins to hurt that relationship. So we don't run back to God, we don't reprioritize our life We just stay extra busy, but our relationships start to fail. So then we try harder and work harder, and we get even more busy until we've actually removed God from the equation. Then we're more susceptible to the lies of our society that says, try harder and you can fix this. Work harder and you'll get it right. And the cycle starts over again. And we begin moving further and further and further away from what is truth and from the correction we need to hear and from the relationship we need to have. 
And when we mess up this vertical relationship with God, it ends up overflowing and messing up our horizontal relationships. When we get too busy for God, too worried, distracted, and anxious for God, we end up taking it out on the ones that are closest to us. I like how Martha does it. One, she gets mad at her sister who's not helping her because she's not living up to the work effort that Martha is giving. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work? And then she tells God how to correct her sister. Tell her to help me. Can you imagine you get so busy that you start telling God what he should be doing to help you out? That happens when we mess up this vertical relationship. It overflows and hurts the horizontal relationship to the people around us. And it's not because we're not doing good things. It's not because we're not doing important things. It's because we've made those things become more important than our relationship with God. And so I think we need to listen. We need to hear the correction that Jesus is saying. He, he rebukes her so gently, though. In his culture, if you said the name twice, it was kind of a, a sign of intimacy, a kind of love, a kind of respect. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. I like how Jesus uses a double play on words. I mean, you can just imagine it. He's talking about the food she's preparing. We're all here, we're, we're having fun, we're, we're having a good time. Just a couple of things are needed, maybe even just one plate. But he's really talking about something spiritual going on in our lives and in Martha's lives. Out of all the list of to-do lists that we have, probably if we started prioritizing and we started putting out what has to be done, what is most important, we'd probably realize that few things are really as important as we're trying to make it. Indeed, there's only one thing, Jesus says, that is most important. Sometimes we'll even add things to our to-do list that are not important at all. One of my neighbors was planting his crops, he was planting his uh, garden in alphabetical order. I said, where do you even find the time? He said, that's easy, it's right next to Sage. Thanks for laughing. <laughs> Jesus says there's only one thing that is most important. One of our elders, uh, Tim Miller, his kids live in North Carolina. They live on 10 acres of forest. Uh, Jerrica is the mom. Oh, shoot. My mind has gone blank today. Uh, Jerrica is the mom and... Kyle is the son, and Charlie is their four-year-old daughter, and Bubba Kane is their dog. One afternoon, Kyle and Jerrica were working in the home, and they asked Charlie to let Bubba Kane out. They heard the door open and close. And then as they were working, they were going through the receipts, they realized quiet. The house was too quiet. And it occurred to them that when Charlie let the dog out, Charlie had left the house. Ten acres of forest. They scramble mad around the house. They scramble mad around the yard, and they cannot find Charlie. Immediately call 911. Immediately call their neighbors, and they are on the hunt for this four-year-old little girl. 
And it was about dusk that one of their high school neighbor friends on his four-wheeler found Charlie with Bubba Kane. But don't you know that in those few hours, Kyle and Jerrica reprioritized their life around only one thing that was important? Tim says his granddaughter Charlie sleeps in, talks in her sleep. And later that night, Jerrica had her, you know, cuddled in the bed and was just so overwhelmed, scared, and now so overwhelmed, relieved. And, and Jerrica said Charlie was talking in her sleep, and she kind of sat up and said, come on, Bubba Kane, we got to keep walking. She knew she had been lost. And the parents reprioritized their whole life in those few hours for what the one thing that was most important Jesus says, there's one thing that matters. And if you get this vertical relationship with God right, the rest gets added to your life. They came to get Jesus one time, his mother and brothers. They came and said, your mother and brothers are out here. And Jesus said, no, my mother and brothers are the ones who hear my word and obey These are my family. This one thing, Jesus says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and do it. This one thing, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these others will be added to you. Jesus says there's one thing that's most important and it's our relationship with him. My problem is I get really busy doing good things that I marginalize God out of my life, and I become just like Martha. If you are putting things in front of your relationship with God, if you are putting good things in front of your relationship with God, we need to reprioritize as the correction Jesus intends for us to have and to hear from this passage. We need to fight and scramble and get all of our friends to help us like Kyle and Jerrica did to find Charlie. We need to do that to find a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's kind of weird that it is so easy to just to maybe sit still for a second and listen to what his word is. One uh, book on prayer I was reading, the preacher talked about how that they had started this little game in their church where the people sitting in listening would start praying for the people around them in their section, that the people around them would hear from God through the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit would prompt something in their soul. And as they were praying, they would look up at the preacher and they'd kind of give him a little thumbs up to let him know that the people around them were being prayed for in that moment so that they would hear God speak to them from his word. Wouldn't that be kind of cool if we did that in here, that you kind of pray for the people at your table or in your section or in front of you or behind you, and you just kind of let the preacher know, thumbs up, I'm praying for the people around me to hear God's word today. Do you imagine that God's hand would move in such a way that we would actually start hearing truth about God and ourselves from the Word more often? You know, God promises that when we read His Scripture, 
The words go out and accomplish their goal before they come back. He said it's like rain that falls down on crops that nourishes the crops before it's recycled back in again. That's how the Word of God acts. That's how the Holy Spirit uses it. But we know that prayer moves the hand of God. Wouldn't it be kind of cool? I haven't seen anybody's thumb go up yet to let me know that they're praying for the people around them. One person just gave me the thumb up. Wouldn't it be kind of cool if we prayed that we would hear God? Because Jesus says there's one thing that matters, and Mary chose it. What was she doing? She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to His Word. I don't know where your priorities are right now, but I encourage you to hear the correction of Christ and reprioritize your life so that you can hear the Word of God. I don't know where your priorities lie, but one of the ways that you can do that is you can bring your family to meet with other Christians in a church setting. You're guaranteed, if you have a church that teaches the Bible, to hear the Word of God, but you need to reprioritize for that. And if you can schedule time, and I know we're all busy, and I'm not living your life, I don't know how busy you are in your life, I'll just tell you a little bit about my life. My kids are very busy with extracurricular activities. And you know what I can do with my schedule? I can schedule in my time to show to take them to where they need to be and get them there on time. And then you know what I do? Most of the time, I remember to go pick them up. But I set my schedule for that. I set my schedule for that. If I can set my schedule to have the kids arrive on time and get home most of the time, I can probably set something in my schedule to hear the Word of God. Sometimes I cheat. My car has a radio. And sometimes I listen to the Word of God as I take them and as I go pick them up. But that's still listening to the Word of God. I'll give you another secret of mine. Don't tell anybody. I don't want my calendar to control me, and I can get so busy and so overwhelmed. I don't think I'm busier than other people. I just think I sometimes let my calendar control me instead of me controlling my calendar. Most of the time, if I receive a phone call, can I meet with you? My script goes like this. I cannot this week because I've already made my calendar. But we can schedule something for next week. It doesn't happen all the time. I'm trying to leave room for God to blow up my schedule, not completely, but to, to bring people in, in, in in a way that God says, this is a divine appointment, you need to blow up your schedule for this. But he also gave me the responsibility of determining what is most important with my time. Jesus says, there's one thing that's most important, your relationship with God. How can you schedule that? I say Sunday morning is a great time to schedule that. I have a, there's a family that comes to church here, and they told me, they told Cheryl, our children's minister, that um, Satan shows up in their home on Sunday morning to cause every problem, everything that can go wrong to go wrong, so that they would get distracted and won't bring their kids to church. And the more they allow Satan to win, the less he bothers them because eventually they just stop coming. It takes me like mm, 30 seconds to develop a bad habit, but it takes me like 40 days to develop a good habit. We need to reprioritize our time to find ways to talk with God, to find ways to listen to God. And we hear his correction, but we also hear what is true. 
I want to try a spiritual exercise today where we just kind of get to sit and relax and listen to the Word of God. Uh, I did this spiritual exercise several years ago, but I know the statistics say that um, people who listen to a sermon forget 95% of the things they hear when they walk out the door. So this was a couple of years ago. I think I'm safe. It was pre-COVID. But it's a spiritual exercise where we sit really still and we listen to the words of God. Here's how it works. So um, your job is when in message time is to listen to the Word of God, and my job is to make the Word of God as clear as I can make it so you can hear it. This spiritual exercise, um, you will ask God to send His Holy Spirit to highlight what is true about you in Christ. So what I'll do is I've taken Ephesians. I didn't invent this spiritual exercise, but it, it, it's pretty powerful. Take Ephesians, and there are several things that are mentioned that are true about us because we're in Christ, found in Ephesians. And what I'll do is I'll read through that list of words that are true about us because of what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus died for us on the cross, and three days later, he rose from the dead. And we ask God to send the Holy Spirit to highlight one of those truths about us. So I read a list of truths, and you ask, God, send your Holy Spirit to make one of those truths highlighted, radioactive in my life. It's the truth that he wants you to hear today that you need to hear in this moment so you can reprioritize your life around listening to the word of God. And if God highlights one of those words for you, would you just hold on to it? Because there's going to be further instructions. So here's that word. It might seem weird. Um, What I'd like for you to do is just kind of relax. You can close your eyes if you want to. If you fall asleep, it's okay. You don't get in trouble for falling asleep today. Other days, maybe. And you're praying in your mind, Father above, please allow the Holy Spirit to highlight one of these truths about me. And I'm going to read some things that are true of those of us who are in Christ. All these statements are true of you in Christ, but maybe the Holy Spirit wants you to hear one in particular today. There's something going on in your life that if you hear this one truth about you, it's going to change your attitude. It's going to change your behavior. And I just listen. Lord, I ask that you would allow your Holy Spirit to highlight one of these truths in our lives and make it come alive. Have this word stick out to us. Prompt us by your Holy Spirit and say, this is the word for me today. Here's the list from Ephesians. Abundant grace, peace that passes understanding, chosen, incomparable riches, holy, blameless, loved. Freely given, forgiven, God's pleasure, lavished upon, marked by the Holy Spirit, God's possession. Seated with Christ, God's work of art, 
incomparable power made alive, saved, gifted, strengthened, rooted, joined together. Now, if God highlighted one of those words for you, would you just put it in a sentence in your mind? I am, and then you fill in the blank, I am chosen. For me, when I did this exercise, it was abundant grace that kept rolling over my mind. I really felt like the Holy Spirit was prompting abundant grace, and I had to put that in the sentence, I have been given abundant grace. Would you say that out loud? I am, and then fill in the blank. Do it with me. I am chosen. And then if you would, just one more moment. If you would ask God to allow the Holy Spirit to take over your imagination. And not to use imagination for something imaginary, like unicorns. But to use your imagination to imagine something that's true. This word from God that he says in Ephesians, listening, we're imagining ourselves listening to the words of Jesus. This word from him in Ephesians is true of you. Would you ask God to give you a, a motion picture, a video in your mind, using your imagination, about that word of truth becoming true in your life? One person from earlier, they told me that the word that God highlighted for them was chosen. And they saw this picture. They imagined that they were drowning and sinking. And God reached down and pulled them out. He chose them. Would you ask him to give you a picture in your mind of this truth happening to you with your word? Lord, I'm praying that we would be able to take moments like these, just listening to your word more often. And Lord, I know that there is, there are some people here today that you allow the Holy Spirit to highlight a truth about them, and you gave them a picture that helps it sink into our soul. And I thank you for that. And Lord, I know that there are some here today that did not receive a prompting, that did not receive a picture, and they long for that to happen. And I praise you that their longing and their ache to have that kind of prompting from the Holy Spirit you appreciate and you love about them. Lord, I ask that you would allow us to sit and listen to your word 
and hear correction for our life, but allow us to hear with gentle rebuking where you say our name twice because you love us, but you want us aligned to your will. And then we get to hear truth. What is true about us because of your love. What is true about us because of your grace. What is true about us because we are now part of the family of God. Lord, would you help us to listen to that word more and more and more often. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm hoping that that imaginative experience, asking the Holy Spirit, would allow you to know what it's like to listen to the Word of God. And you can do this anytime. Anytime you open up the Bible and you just read it. This is God's Word to you. And He will highlight Scripture in your life when you think about it and you meditate it and you try meditate on it and you try to let it sink in he will highlight what is true about you but he'll also give you fantastic beautiful gentle correction so that you can align your life with his we hope you have enjoyed this message if you need someone to pray with you talk to or maybe you just want more information about our church Be sure to fill out a Connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining, and we will see you back here next time.